Houston, Texas. It's the Trey Blocker Show, starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker, with today's special guest, Texas Senator Don Buckingham. Hello, everyone. This is Trey Blocker, and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. We are honored today to have in our studio Senator Don Buckingham. Welcome, Senator. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor and pleasure to be here with you gentlemen this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Senator Buckingham is, represents Senate District 24, which, as we were looking at the map earlier, is a very uniquely drawn district that encompasses western Travis County, where Austin is, um, and it goes south down to Kerrville, Texas, and on up to Abilene, Texas. Yep, Bandera to Temple to Abilene, 20,000 square miles of the heart of Texas. Beautiful country. Yeah, I, I think it's the most beautiful Senate district in the state, personally. But you're not biased. Not biased at all. <laughs> no reason to be. Uh, and it does also include Lukenbach Dance Hall. Yes, it does. And we have a really good party there every year that everybody needs to come and hang out with us in Lukenbach. Well, it was a great party this year with Corey Morrow. He put on a good show. It got a little chilly. That was the only, only downside. But the cure for chilliness in a dance hall is a little dancing, right? That's right. You just dance more. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. So Senator Buckingham is new to the Texas Senate, new to public office. Is that correct? Well, I had served on the Lake Travis School Board as an elected official. So that was my entree into politics. Okay. But I, I, I remember, this is, I feel like this was a year and a half ago, you and I had lunch at the UT Club and talked about you running for the seat. And I got the sense from you then that you've kind of always had the political bug uh, it was just a matter of finding the right time to to seize the moment. So where did that bug come from? Sure. You know, I, I figured out pretty quickly when I finished my residency training. And for those of y'all who don't know, I'm an ophthalmologist. Um, and uh, I figured out pretty early that the government wanted to tell me what to do in every aspect of my life, from the roads that I drive on to how I treat my patients to the taxes that I pay. And I didn't decide, I decided I didn't like that interference very much. So um, been politically active, and, and like you said, it's really just about being the right person at the right time, and we're just waiting for the right window to open. Did, so when, oh, oh sorry, I no, no, I was just saying. So when Senator Fraser decided not to run, then we were primed and ready to jump in. I was going to say, I guess that's. I was about to say what what was like the what broke the camel's back. Where was it? A seat opened up, or was it more you were you were fed up with? Um, I guess the the representation you had no no no. it was it was just purely looking for the opportunity and the right time to run so being a doctor though you've invested a lot of time and and energy and and everything else that goes into that education was was that something you took into consideration like you want to practice a certain number of years before you look into other things well you know it was was a really big choice when we decided to run we had to have a lot of conversations there are seven physicians in my practice uh, we had to have a lot of conversations to be sure that the patients would be well taken care of. It's a it's a very big step um, to to campaign in this big of a district, especially. I put almost seventy thousand miles on my truck in a year. <laughs> we were always on the road twenty four seven, and uh, not a lot of time to practice. So my my first goal was to be sure that my patients were well taken care of. And luckily, we had a new doctor coming in right about the time we launched our campaign. So it was kind of, I think, God's way of just showing us that it was the right time. Sure. Sure. So, I, I also picture after you stump somewhere, they say, "Oh, we like what you had to say, but could you take a look at this?" I have a story to tell you on that. So there was one day, and uh, we were actually going on a dam tour, literally of a dam, 
And uh, glad you clarified. That. Yes, well, you know, we're here. We don't want any cursing on the on the radio show, no. but we were there, and uh, one of the ladies who was with us said, "Hey, I'm having this trouble with my eye. I need to come see you." And I said, "Well, tell me what's going on." And she told me, and I said, "We need to get you to the neurologist right away. Something's going on in your head." Uh, it turned out that she actually had a very unusual vascular malformation in her head um, and probably would have died if we had have intervened. She's one of the few people that they actually have found living with this malformation because oh, wow. they usually um, pass away from sudden death from a bleed in their head. So you could say this Senate campaign saved somebody. Wow. That's so. awesome. Would you mind uh, checking out Charlie Hodge after the show? Because I've been telling him there's something wrong with his head for a long time. It's uh, not connected to my eyes, unfortunately, <laughs> even though I do have some of those little drifty things that yeah. kind of float around yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. You can't ever really focus on them. Right, unless you're, you know, in a plane on the clear blue sky, you can you can see them pretty well. Mm. You can also see the, the little blood vessels running through uh, the little capillaries in the back of your eye. If you really look, they look like highways with little cars going. So next time you mm. clear blue mm. sky, take a look mm. at it. You'll see them. We're going to have to go get on an airplane. <laughs> Test this theory. So our intern, we've got a great intern who puts together incredible bios uh, for us with regard to our guest. And on this, on your bio, it says you specialize in oculoplastic and reconstructive surgery. What is oculoplastic? Sure. And, you and know, am I saying that right? Yes, oh, actually. Cool. Absolutely. So I specialize in tumors around the eye, tear drainage problems, and eyelids. Um, I also see, you know, regular eye patients and do regular eye exams. Um, but, my, but my fellowship training was in uh, those other additional aspects that most ophthalmologists don't handle. And you went to the University of Texas at Galveston for your medical school, correct? Yes, medical school and residency, and then we did our fellowships in Albany, New York, and my husband is a facial plastic surgeon in town. Well, you know, I don't want to besmirch any other um, doctors out there, but any doctor um, that is worth anything went to UT Galveston. (laughs) (laughs) I've noticed that. It's my favorite medical school, but it was, you know, Galveston was a great place, a great place to be in medical school. We had, still had a fair amount of family down there. Part of my family actually came to Texas as the British consulate to the nation of Texas. I actually oh, wow. have that certificate hanging in my Senate office. Um, so Galveston has a very special place in my heart for a lot of reasons. So you guys actually showed up there on a boat yes. into Galveston? <laughs> yes. Into the Wow, she's got you beat. Seriously. He's a sixth yeah. generation or he throws that around all the time. Yeah, my mom says we're Just nine. We say we're seven because no one will believe nine. But, <laughs> but apparently there's documentation that we're ninth generation. So that was a rowboat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those Viking ships, right? <laughs> so speaking of your wonderful husband, I've had the pleasure to get to know him over the past uh, year or so. Um, and I'm looking at your bio. You guys have been married for 25 years. That's correct. So when we had Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick on the show, I, I believe he and Jan have been married for 32 years, something around that. And so we asked him a question kind of on the fly that I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot to answer as well. If you're talking to a young married couple, what <laughs> advice would you give them for a successful marriage? You know, I, th- I think the most important thing you could do as a young married couple is develop interests together. Um, I see so many couples where maybe the husband hunts or golfs or something and the, and the wife does mahjong or whatever it is, and they develop, um, they develop interests and hobbies apart from each other. So Ed and I really focused on trying to develop hobbies that we do together. And especially as a family, as you start having kids, it's really important to have that high-quality family time. That first couple you just described is my parents. 
<laughs> you just described them. Mahjong, Mahjong. hunting, fishing. <laughs> no bridge. <laughs> not that I know of. Not not between them, anyway. Does anybody yeah. play bridge anymore? Probably. Probably. Um, it's really just a way to get around and have some day wine and you know, <laughs> play some cards. A little day drinking. Yeah. yeah there's, there's always an excuse for that. And I... I'm sure your dad didn't drink at the hunting league. No, 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 no. No excuses for anything. So you have two teenagers. What do they think of you being in the Texas Senate? Uh, you know, they're they're kind of neutral to slash excited about it. Um, we kept them very insulated from the campaign. The good thing about teenagers is, um, you know, they're, they're not on Facebook, so I didn't see any of the hate. They're all on Instagram, and uh, so, so they got to miss out on a lot of the social media Charlie, hate that Char- we experienced. Did you just hear that? Yeah, <laughs> she, her, your kids are not on Facebook. Your teenagers are not on Facebook. Nope. Is that not a, that they look at on a is regular that a household basis. rule? No, no, no. It's I mean, all kids they're cool. all on Snapchat. Yeah, you it's know, not the, the oh. kids. Oh, it's now not cool are, anymore. It, yeah, it's the, the, fact the that parents Facebook, could figure it out cool. Facebook, so oh. all kids moved to Snapchat. That stuff that disappears. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So. I need to figure out the Snapchat. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and so, what you, you, the hate that came out was was that. I, it must be, but is that unexpected to to people you've never met? Really, all of a sudden, are taking a stance? Not only just a stance, but not, I'm not even sure what the particulars were. But just to have people organized behind a campaign to besmirch must be pretty mind blowing. Yeah, that was the most surprising thing in the campaign was was just the amount of pure hate based on lies and how people just lie with without any conscience about it at all so I think everybody endures that um you know at one point we had seven people in the race and then we went to a runoff and then I had a democrat in the general so um but you know I have to say uh you know I would joke during the campaign you're respected at the capitol by how you walked through the valley of death being lit on fire (laughs) getting the beans kicked out of you and and since we did that for about a year and a half um I feel like it made me a better senator I mean we're more uh, people are already noticing we're stepping out a little more than some freshmen do. Um, we're not afraid to to do what we said in our campaign. We're, we're very consistent in our messages through the th- campaign and what we're doing now. In fact, this morning we just, you know, we put out videos every once in a while. Um, Don Buckingham, you know, dot com on Facebook because my kids aren't on there. But, um, and we're just letting people know, look, we're doing what we said we were doing. These are the bills we're filing. We're passing the Senate's been very aggressive in passing Governor Abbott's four emergency items. Um, it's a very exciting time to be in the Senate, and I'm I'm just feel very blessed to be able to be here and serve. So we we definitely want to talk about some of those issues. But tell me the one thing that was surprising to you the most when you showed up on the Senate floor for the first time. Gosh, just just um. Uh, the amazing um, opportunity it is to serve and how, sorry, uh, how it's just a big responsibility and you want to be sure you do it well. Sure. You know, well, doing it well, um, there must be a lot to kind of take in to figure out the procedures alone. But um, this far in, um, do you feel like you're going to have to make I don't know, compromises on what you can get done, or do you feel optimistic that everything you want to accomplish is, is, is still possible? Well, you know, I, I hope we can accomplish everything we want to accomplish, but, you know, the bottom line is sometimes you have to take baby steps. You can't always take giant leaps for mankind. So wherever we can gain consensus and wherever we can get a movement on the issues that are important to us, that's, that's what we want to do. What's number one important? 
You know, my my priorities really line up with the governors and lieutenant governors. Um, you know, they I, I, we've got to protect our kids with child protective services. Um, we've got to protect life. We've you know, I believe that the federal government overreaches into our lives every day. And so so those are the big topics that we're um, that we're tackling and, and, and have are really excited that we could help and, and be co-authors on those bills with the more senior senators and feel like we have a maybe a little part, but a bit of a part in getting them to pass. So one of the governor's emergency items dealt with sanctuary policies, and the Senate has already passed that bill, Senate Bill 4. It's now sitting in the House awaiting action. And Travis County, where we're sitting, has been a bit of a focal point on this issue because Sally Hernandez, the sheriff of Travis County, has has come out and said it's her policy that she doesn't want to cooperate with the federal government when it comes to immigration issues. And, and you've made some statements on that. So where are we on that issue? Well, you know, we wanted to send a very clear message back that we consider um, it an obligation for our law enforcement officials to obey those enforce, um, immigration detainers. Um, you know, every day in my campaign, the number one issue by a factor of 10 was getting the border secured and getting rid of the lures, such as sanctuary cities that bring people here. So, we um, we've we've sent a very strong message, and Senate Bill Four, uh, we think, was incredibly strong. We came up not only with civil penalties but criminal penalties, and if those sheriffs decide to to have a policy to not honor the detainers, then if they go through due process and they're convicted, they'll not only be fined but removed from office. Well, I would assume, and at some point I'm going to have to research this and pull it up, but I assume as with any elected public official, a sheriff takes an oath of office to uphold the laws of of not only the, the city, the county, and the state in which they live, but also the laws of the United States. Am I wrong? I, I believe that is correct. So um, we have actually... Um, been trying to look into the oath that our sheriffs actually take and have had some difficulty finding exactly what that is. But um, but that's our impression. So apparently there's some people who who feel differently. So we're we're just putting our stake in the stand and saying, I know it's a big surprise that we actually had to pass a law to get our law enforcement officials to obey the laws of the country. But, you know, we're going to do it. And that, those are that's our expectations. So Sheriff Hernandez has said that uh, she will only cooperate with ICE when it comes to capital murder, murder, or aggravated sexual assault. So there are a lot of crimes, pedophilia, crimes. rape a child. So, so in one of your most recent repeatedly, <laughs> yes, year and a half. that last person that almost that they had to they had to pull out the all the tricks in the book to keep them locked up. He he had repeatedly. Um, allegedly allegedly and repeatedly um, (laughs) assaulted a child and the problem was that had they read the ice jacket on this person they would have realized it's aggravated but it didn't say it at the top of the form so it's not just people that have committed these crimes it's whether or not the sheriff is willing to stop and look and read the paperwork to make sure and if the news hadn't caught it this guy would have slipped out onto the street. Well, and I'm not sure I saw anything on CNN or MSNBC or, or even Fox on this issue. It just I'm not sure it made it out of Texas. So for our listeners outside of the state, Senator, would you explain what Charlie's talking about with regard to this person? Absolutely. You know, it, it came to our attention. It was a Monday evening, I believe, and our local Fox channel ran a story on three folks that were about to be um, released from the Travis County Jail based on uh, Sheriff Hernandez's policies. One was a gentleman 
who had allegedly raped a 14-year-old um, for a year and a half period of time while he was dating her mother. The other one, and, you know, the facts may be slightly off because it's been a little bit, but the other one, I believe, had been a fugitive of justice or from justice since 2014 for allegedly raping a seven-year-old on a couple of occasions. Um, and the other one had beat the tar out of his girlfriend outside of a bar. And so, you know, this, that was our continued message is this is a public safety issue. So what we did, I know it was a big surprise, but none of the, we didn't see any of the other Austin media picking it up. So... I sent a text with the clip um, to the Senate Republican Caucus, and I sent a text with the clip to the 10 state reps that I overlap with, and I said, we can't stand for this. We need to get this out. So we put together a news, a press conference, and at that conference, you know, I didn't want to, in case something had been inaccurate in that story, I, I've learned that you quote, you quote the story and you end up not anyway so I just we just played that entire clip and just said this is inexcusable and we've got to come together and I tell you what the um the biggest thing that happened through that press conference is a couple of my senior democratic senator colleagues came in after us and and took the mic and they said you know what this is this is a this is a public safety issue these these policies of the sheriff need to be changed and so so what you're seeing are Republicans and Democrats actually coming together saying, look, we've got to have the safety of our communities as a priority. Well, good for you. I mean, there was not much media coverage. I work at one of the local radio stations at KLBJ AM. And, Go ahead. Plug um, that, put a plug in for that show. I will. <laughs> Mark and Charlie. And at, what, at what time? Uh, 10 a.m. <laughs> They're I, awesome, daily. by the way. They're great. Awesome. And I just we, I was looking over that Fox 7 story. I mean, I feel like I... I lost my mind a little bit. I said, this is not, has, this has nothing to do with anyone's immigration status or anything other than just common decency. If someone is guilty of these crimes, I don't care if you're, if you're from the United States, they shouldn't release you. This I don't care what, what your nationality is. This goes beyond all, this is basic humanity. That's right. You know, it's, it's about the safety of our communities. And, and I tell you what, when, when Trump was campaigning and he was in Austin, I happened to be on the stage when he was doing the Hannity show. And I don't know if you happened to see that episode, but they had a bunch of the moms up there whose children had been killed by illegal immigrants. And hearing those moms, and one in particular who had waited, I believe, 13 years to get her citizenship, and then she gets her citizenship, and her young child is murdered, and she has to go through that murder trial and listen to that illegal immigrant brag about the horrid, horrid, awful things he did in torturing her son to death, basically. And I kind of swore at that time. Of course, I was actively running, too. But I was like, you know what? If, if I win this race and there's something I can do that's going to that's gonna keep lives from being ruined like that, I'm going to do everything in my power to fight. And so that was one of the reasons that you saw us. We were really stepping out and, and trying to be very active and call attention to these policies and, and just let folks know that, you know, we need, we need our communities to be safe. We want a safe Texas. We want a safe Travis County. Um, and, and we need to stand up and do the right thing. So strangely, it, G Governor Abbott has recently withheld over a million dollars in funds to Travis County because of Sheriff Hernandez's policies. And strangely, this is the strange part, um, her supporters, rather than saying, you need to change your policy, we need this money for various programs, they're holding a bake sale to try to replace those funds. I mean, 
It's it's last I checked, Travis County got some increased revenue from raising property values. Oh, tell me about it. And so, <laughs> so you think that they could use some of that increased revenue they generated and uh, and fund the programs that matter to them? So, so the bottom line is these actions make uh, make those programs ineligible for the grant funding. Well, we have a rabid communist on the Austin City Council that is not helping either. <laughs> Uh, which one? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. well and, and speaking of that, so, so recently federal immigration officials did a raid here in Austin, and Mayor Adler uh, issued an open letter to the city of Austin, and, and he seemed to be quite offended that the federal government would come in and want to enforce immigration laws in the city of Austin. Uh, and uh, I, I believe 60 people were taken into custody, and, and Mayor Adler pointed out in his words that three-fourths of these people were non-criminals. You know, what, what we hear from ICE and, um, is, that, is that they do targeted, you know, they're doing targeted things, that these folks are um, believed to have committed dangerous crimes and violent crimes, and then that's who they're pulling off the streets. Um, I think a lot of the fanfare that's meant at scaring people um, is just that, that we're seeing from the left. So what, what we see from ICE is that they're doing... Um, they're going in very targeted family uh, fashion and, um, you know, being sure we're keeping our streets safe. Sure. So what, what can, switching gears just a bit, but in the same vein, what can Texas do to secure our southern border? Well, um, at this point, we're looking at, at kind of passing the baton. You know, the federal government actually should secure our border. It's one of the things they should be doing. So while they're running around doing all of these things they shouldn't be doing, you'd think they would actually get to what they should be doing. But it's a novel concept. But anyway, I think Trump is is moving us back that direction. I think finally we have a friend who's interested in securing our border in the White House instead of a foe. So as state leaders, we're looking at just how do we help pass that baton? Um, how do we help the president with good policies? Uh, we're all looking forward to, have to, to not having to spend so many state dollars down there. Um, let the federal government pick that up, and we can use our state monies for for our own program. So we're excited about the possibilities. And, and, you know, like we talked about every day in the campaign, we're working to help to secure our border and get rid of the lures like sanctuary cities that bring people here. So do you tweet as much as President Trump? <laughs> uh, I have a, a tweeter. No, I'm teasing. We, you know, we make sure that, um, you know, what we put out, we, we double check is factually correct and all that kind of stuff. So my, it's a, our, uh, our social media is a team effort to be sure that it's uh, appropriate. Well, to be honest, it's more, and I don't mean this in any other way than it just is, it's more of a campaigning tool. It's a way to reach people that, that want to know what you're up to, and it's a way to pass along materials and information and a lot of people use that in a business fashion. President Trump uh, is more personal, but when he, when he describes how he doesn't think he gets a fair shake from the mainstream media, and then you look and he has 26 million <laughs> Twitter followers. I'm not sure there's a human being on the planet that would give that up if they had that, and then That's they were true. faced with the question, now, give that up. I mean, <laughs> that is a lot of access. But it, people. but it sure has offended the media, hasn't oh, it? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's been really fun to watch. It's been uh, There's going to be a reckoning, and I don't know how, and I don't know what will, uh, what will propel it, but mainstream media, they've gone too far. You can't take a stand and ignore just the, the bipartisan, impartial uh, stance that they're supposed to have. You can't, you can't come back from that. 
So, Senator, one of the reasons Charlie and I decided to start this podcast is, is for the very reason that he just mentioned, is that, you know, we watch, that, watch elected officials be misquoted in the newspapers. or, or All day, or, every day. All day, every day. And people know them through these, these snippets in the newspaper or snippets on television. And we wanted to get people into the studio to, so that your, your, your constituents, the people of the state of Texas, the people listening all over, can get to know you personally and what drives you and the policies that are important to you uh, in your own words. I know that's a <laughs> novel concept, but so what else is, is going on this legislative session that you think needs to happen that's important? Wow, we, we've got a lot of things going on this legislative session. You know, as I said, I mean, we're, we're overhauling the Child Protective Services we're starting to look at how we can um, be applying for Medicaid block grants. I'm really hoping that Texas can step up and lead the country in how to really revamp a patient-centered health care, which we haven't had in a very, very long time. Um, we, we're doing all kinds of exciting things. And I, and I do think social media gives folks a way to, to, get, you know, to try and get our whole story out and, and kind of what's going on in, in full. And, and we, actually, we actually tweet out or send out kind of regular uh, videos, which our folks have really liked, because I think we're moving even more to they like to see it or hear it. They sure. don't they don't like to have to stop and yeah. read it. So, <laughs> uh, so we've we've been doing all that. But um, there's you know a lot of good things are going on, and I think it's really great to be in the Republican caucus in the Senate. We're very united. We're working together. Uh, we're working very hard at supporting each other um, and uh, trying to be a choir. We all have our different voices, but we want to sing the same song and, and get out there in front. And so it's, it's an exciting time to be in the Senate. One of the things we, we talked about with the lieutenant governor when he was on the show is how unique the Texas Senate is compared to Washington, D.C., especially in that re- Republicans have the majority in the Senate in Texas, but Republicans and Democrats work pretty well in Texas, and there's a lot of respect on that Senate floor and, uh, and, and it stands in contrast to what, what happens in Washington, D.C. So h- how has that affected how you look at issues? Right. I, I agree with you. You know, what a lot of people don't know and what I try to say when I'm speaking in different places is the overwhelming majority of Senate vote, I mean, of Senate votes are unanimous. So you see Republicans and Democrats coming together. We've actually actively sought ways to partner with almost every senator on, on some bill, Um regardless of whether they're a Republican or a Democrat. And so we're working very hard. We want to work with anybody who want to make, who wants to make Texas better. So if that's a Democrat, great. If it's a Republican, great. Um, sometimes you see some of the most liberal Democrats agreeing with some of the most conservative, liberty-minded Republicans. Some say the spectrum wraps around at some point. Uh, so I, I think it's great. You know, we're, we're looking for ways to work together. Of course, we're going to disagree on some items, um, and, that, and that's always the case. But that really is a small minority of the time that we have pure partisan votes. So, Right, right. Does, well, the, does the balanced budge, budget, is that, the, the new, is that where it all grows from? The fact that you guys work so well together, it's because you know this thing ain't going to end unless we have a balanced <laughs> budget. We're in other states, it can just go on and on, or the, the federal level just go on and on, and it really does. It kind of lets you know up front, well, yeah. I'm going to be seeing you again. That's right. No, I think, I think you, <clears throat> you bring up a very valid point. When you know you have to get it done, and you have to get it done by a certain time, um, it brings people together, and so we all start rowing the boat in the same direction, you hope. so. 
hopefully. So as a reminder for our audience, the Texas legislature meets for 140 days every other year, which is something we are extremely proud of, given the fact that Texas is the 10th largest economy in the world uh, on any given day. And the one thing that, that the legislature has to do every session is pass a budget. And it is a balanced budget, unlike the federal government. So uh, do, would you ever consider running for Congress and taking some of these Texas values and ideas <laughs> to Washington, D.C.? Heck no. That's a step down. Uh, no, I'm teasing. I, you know, it's funny. And I, uh, I just spoke, actually, at a big national medical meeting. And part of it was just running for office. And what people don't realize is my, in, in representing my Senate district, it's almost 800,000 people. And with the geographic area of my state, so the geographic area of my district is bigger than it's eight or nine states. And then I represent more people than almost every congressman in the United States or congressperson in the United States. And so uh, I I love Texas. I have no desire to go to Washington. Um, I do believe we have a senator who said he's planning on trying to do that in an open seat that's going to be coming up after session. But, uh, um, you know, we're, we're happy right where we are and we're just trying to do a good job in the Senate. You don't want to go drain the swamp? I would love to drain the swamp. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, you know, being one of 31 in Texas, we can help Texas step up and lead even better than it is now. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I need to start doing a better job of this, Charlie. I, I, Senator, I apologize. I didn't give you a whole lot of uh, uh, war- forewarning on this requirement either on this show. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think the comptroller was complaining about that too but um <laughs> i sent you a text earlier and i said you know part of what we do on the show is we're wrapping up is we like for our guests to share some words of wisdom uh, a favorite song lyric a favorite quote a favorite bible verse something that means something to you mm-hmm. and has affected you in your life you got anything for us? I do, and I do appreciate the text five minutes before I walked in the door. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought about it, and there are several, but I think for the purposes of, of this uh, podcast, it's, you know, it's, it's never harbor a broken spirit. It's like work hard, run fast, know you're going to get do- knocked down, stand up, brush yourself off, and start running again. So that's how we're going to serve. I need to remember that for the rest of the session. senator thanks for coming on the show uh we'd love to have you back sometime in the future yeah we'd love to be back thanks so much for having me on this has been the trey blocker show you can find it at treyblocker.com or on your favorite podcasting app tune in next time to the trey blocker show